Welcome back to the Big City Podcast. Corey Paul alongside uh, head coach Dave Shondell. Coach, uh, good weekend, good way to start the Big Ten play. Always tough to start conference play on the road, but uh, your Boilermakers 2-0 uh, on that East Coast swing and, and only dropped a set on the weekend. Just uh, overall, how, how pleased were you with the performance? Those are always two really difficult matches to play, at least from a coaching perspective, because everybody thinks that you should go out there and, and win both those matches in routine fashion. And in the 10 years that Maryland and Rutgers have been in the league, never has it been easy. Uh, we have managed to, to win at Rutgers every time we've played there. We lost once um, at Maryland. Um, in a, in a close match, but every time we go to Maryland, it's a it's a war, mm -hmm. and we go to Rutgers, it's just a it's like sitting in the dentist chair, you know, getting cavities filled or, or getting shots, whatever you do at the dentist. Uh, it's just always a challenge. And I, I told our team after we got back, we, we flew back into the Purdue Air, Airport, and we always meet before we head our our separate ways. And I said, in the ten years that these two teams have been in the league, we've never gone through those two teams as well as we did this year and you know it, it's it's tough when you're playing tough matches all the time and you're looking ahead at the Big Ten schedule if you're not careful it becomes such a grind mm -hmm. and I just want them to know hey we've won seven of our last eight matches all right let, let's not feel like that you know that this is really really a, a hard thing right uh, certainly winning in our league is really hard but we're, we're, we're winning matches, we're playing well. And, you know, it's, it's all perspective and how you approach everything. And, you know, with, with Nebraska waiting in the wings, we know that they're, well, I think they're the best team in the country. I, I haven't watched everybody in detail, um, but I know Wisconsin's ranked one and Nebraska's ranked two, and they're just points apart in, the, in every poll you look at. Um, but Nebraska right now is a little more functional. They just seem to be operating at a higher level. Uh, than anybody else that I've seen. And so we know we're going to have to play very well, but as, as I pointed out off the air to you, um, our match with Nebraska doesn't determine our season. There's a lot of things ahead right. <laughs> pretty early in the campaign. And uh, we do want to play well. We want to represent our university in fine fashion, and we want to give ourselves a chance uh, to win the match. But... Um, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot ahead of us, and this is a team, Corey, that is getting better all the time. And you can look at what happened this past weekend where Lauren Poulter, Kenna Woolard, and Lizzie Carr had played sparingly mm -hmm. in the last three weeks, if at all. But if they had, it was sparingly. They all three get opportunities. It all happened in the third set against Maryland when things kind of went, went south, and they're drilling us. And I thought, okay, here's an opportunity for me to get some other people in, give some people some breaks, let them breathe a little bit. Yes. And those three went in and just were spectacular. And then they got opportunities again the next night to do the same thing, and they followed through. So it just gives us a little more experience, and it also shows people that you don't have to start the match, okay, to be able to go in and make a big contribution. But we're getting better all the time. We had, I think, our best practice of the season last night. 
a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, great intensity, excellent play. They're taking the, the things that we talk about that we need to improve on and going out and showing that focus. There's, there's only one way we're going to be able to beat Nebraska, and that's if we execute the things that we have to do mm -hmm. to, to beat them. And I thought last night in practice they went out and they took that to heart. And uh, and they were really good. That's uh, we'll get to we'll we'll go a little bit more in depth on Nebraska in the okay. second half of the show. We, we'll we'll scout the whole weekend because Northwestern's waiting in the wings too, and and yeah. they're no slouch uh, from year to year. They're I some, apologize for having them on my mind right now. No, no, I can. Right that's that's what you're that's what you're paid <laughs> yeah. to do. I completely get it. Um, you've talked a lot this season, especially with the schedule, the way it was set up. That you know, um, one of the one of the drawbacks of the way RPI works and the way schedules work and the way you know mm -hmm. difficult opponents laid out that you don't always get a chance to get kids in in matches or in sets yeah. they don't get the reps that they deserve mm -hmm. that they're showing in practice but they're maybe just slightly behind whoever's in front of them you know on your roster yeah. to be able to have somebody or several somebody's come in cold you know, like you yeah. said, after playing sparingly, it's just it's got to be so rewarding for the players to to see their hard work pay off and to contribute and really make a difference in a win. Well, you know, I hope so. Um, sometimes it's not that there's a much difference at all yeah. in the in the players. It's just who's got more experience and who's been playing. And if you're winning, you're going to stay with with that particular lineup. That's just na natural. You don't do a lot of changes in your lineup if if your team is playing well and, and you're winning. Uh, but when those opportunities do arise, it's really important for those players to be ready. Mm -hmm. And um, this team has proven that that is the case, and I think that that will, will continue. But um, the RPI thing is so overvalued by this committee. I've talked about it before that there has to be more involved in that because we're not the only program that's fighting that battle. Right. Everybody in the country is trying to trying to make sure that they get in a position to make the NCAA tournament and possibly get a seed, whatever it takes. And therefore, you play it so close to the best, and, and you, you you just don't give opportunities like you might if you knew that okay, it's not doesn't come down to whether you win in three sets, maybe you can win in four sets or five sets, or maybe you do drop a match along the way, mm -hmm. and it's not going to be the end of the world. Well, now it feels like it could be. Uh, the way that I think coaches look at it. So we'll continue to, to, to try to do all we can. And again, we got a lot of really good players. They're all doing a great job in the gym. And, and, and I know at some point in time, this team will become great. It may not be Friday. It may not be Sunday. Uh, I think we'll be good. Mm -hmm. Okay, But at some point in time, I just see uh, something unique with this team. And, and I'm looking forward to, to following it through. And that's one thing I love uh, you're talking with with you about this. Like you said before we started recording, you see the work in practice. It's not you're not basing that uh, that uh, opinion or, or that prognostication on results on uh, in matches. Right. You're basing that on what you see from night to night. And virtually every time we talk, you're like, man, we had maybe the best practice of the year last night. Yeah. This team's really dialed in. It just takes time to put all the pieces together in matches. Um, there's a much more calm approach in practice. They play with, with more confidence. There's, mm -hmm. not, there's not as much to lose, obviously, in True, a practice. Yeah. So you can see them doing what they do in practice. Um, and again, we're not great yet. 
um, but but we're working really really hard to get there and at, at times I see greatness in, in practice and it's just a matter of putting it together one point after another and that's what some team where some teams are right now they do it one point after another point after another point after another point and that's how you get that consistency that can win a championship definitely just to put some statistics with uh, with what you were talking about Lizzie Carr two sets uh, against Maryland, played in the, the third and the fourth. Uh, two kills on two swings with a block. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenna Woolard came in, one kill, two swings. She also had a block. And then really, you know, statistically, she, uh, uh, Woolard shined the next night with six kills mm-hmm. against, uh, against Rutgers, eight and a half points, four total blocks uh, against yeah. the Scarlet Knights. Good thing is that uh, the two people that are, actually there's the third person fighting for time in that right side spot, Emily Rastovsky, who's had some injuries and is now overcoming those and is, is really healthy right now. So I'm excited about that. But Rastovsky, Woolard, and Heaney are all young, mm-hmm. uh, haven't had a lot of experience, but they can do some really good things. And uh, a couple of them are really, really good blockers. Um, Rastovsky's got a great arm. She just puts on showcases in practice some days, the ways that she attacks the ball. So I, I feel good that we didn't know what was going to happen with that spot, and now we feel like we've got several options to play there that are going to be able to hold up even against the best competition. Yeah. When uh, maybe you can't try and go inside the brain of Dave Shondell here a little bit. When you're on the sideline in a match, say. It's a small journey. <laughs> say set three against Maryland. Yeah. Um, you're weighing out, okay, is it uh, is it trying different chemistry on the court, whatever, we've got a matchup that's not working. Yeah. You know, How do you go through your process of, okay, who's going to get the call here when we need a spark? Yeah, in, in that specific match, we were getting beat soundly. We won the first two sets, so we're in a good position. Mm-hmm. And it got to be maybe, I don't know what it was, 15 to 8. You know, we're down and things are going their way. And I thought, I've always believed this, that if, if someone is, is struggling a little bit and the look on their face isn't one of calm and confidence, sometimes getting them out of the match. Yeah. And there are some players that don't get that opportunity to come out of the match. There are six rotation players, setters, liberos, or two outside hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, those folks are just in the match all the time. And there's, in, in, in our case, three of the four are young. Right. And so to, to find a way to get them out of the match and just give them a chance to sit down and maybe have an assistant coach or a teammate build them back up and just slow everything down for them for a little bit, I think is important. So that, that's what happened in that particular set was that I felt like, okay, we're probably going to lose this. It's okay if we do. Mm-hmm. But let's see if I can't get some other people in and see what they can do, give them a shot. But more importantly, get these people out where they can sit down and process and slow it down and realize that everything's fine, okay? And so we did that, and in this case, it worked out beautifully. Um, other times, you know, you're right. It's like you've got similar skilled players, but maybe one can bring more to the to the particular match that night. Maybe you can, you know, and I told our team this exact same thing last night, is that sometimes you make a substitution, you don't have a lot of options. Yeah. There are certain people that are on the floor that are really key people. Maybe they got experience. Maybe they're just incre- incredible offensive players, or you know, one's a setter, or whatever it might be. And you don't feel comfortable eliminating them from that particular cohesion on the floor. But you can make a change somewhere else that it's not going to make a big difference. They're not going to be passing the first ball. Okay, that's going to be served to them. You may not. They may not be directly involved in what's going to happen right away. 
Um, so you can make that change just to make a change. You don't have any timeouts left or whatever it might be. So you're looking for something just to change the flow of the game, um, and, and that's why you do certain things. And I know some players get irritated. Why are you always taking me out of the game? Well, right now it's a move that I can make yeah. and, and not feel like it, it's going to have a huge impact uh, on the team e either way. And you know, they don't, I'm sure they don't like that, but that's, that's just the honest truth, and we try to be – be honest with them as much as we can. Well, I was going to ask that too. Is uh, being that transparent with you know your motivations with your players? Uh, it, maybe it's not that you're playing poorly. Maybe we just need to change. Yeah. To I'll just give you a classic example. Uh, Lizzie Carr had come in, started the third set against um, Rutgers, mm -hmm. uh, our, our last match on Sunday afternoon, and she'd actually played well. She played very well the night before or two nights before, and was playing fine. Okay. But the match was 2016, we're up, and all of a sudden it went to 2019. And during that course of time, she didn't make a hitting error ball. She hit really well and just landed about a foot out of bounds. Yep. Okay. Um, Lourdes Myers had already been in the match for two, two sets, so she's used to what's, what's going on. So I, I just made that substitution of 20 to 19 and, and brought her back in. As I look back at it, I wish I wouldn't have done it Let because I, I, I don't want to take somebody out and make it, make it look like, well, she's coming out because she made a mistake. That wasn't why she was coming out. It was just that was a, that was a move I could make where I didn't think it was going to, you know, uh, cause an earthquake either yep. way. Okay, and so I did make that move. Even when I did it, I said that that's too quick. That was a that was not the, the right decision. Uh, but at the end of the day, we did persevere and went at 25 to 21 or 25-22. I don't know what, what the score was. But that's an example of what I'm talking about is sometimes you just have to make a move. Um, you, know, you can call a timeout if you've got one. Um, I was kind of determined not to use one mm -hmm. um, in, in that particular match, and we didn't. And I wanted our kids to get it done without having to come over and sit down on the bench. I wanted them to, to work it out on their own. And that's uh, that's another thing that you know another thing that coaches are always weighing. Okay, we've got these timeouts. We we've got different options to to try and affect what's going on right now. But sometimes the best thing is for them to work through it. You see it in other sports as well. Let them work through the problem because that down the line may come back and yeah. show some confidence and, yeah. and some resolve. Yeah, it's it. A lot of times, no matter what you do, you're wrong, <laughs> and and sometimes it, it works out well. So I mean. Uh, but that, but it is. It's, it's something I think coaches need to be able to communicate with their team. And they, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll make the sub and I'll go down and and talk to the player right away about it. You know why why it was done. Sometimes you've got the time and the means to do that. Other times you better be able to be paying attention to the game. Okay, you don't have as much time. But I try to make sure players understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And uh, it's easier to do it with those people that are a little more understanding than those that aren't. One last thing before we get to uh, the second half of our show and looking ahead at this weekend, you've uh, you've got about five weeks in now with your two uh, six rotation outside hitters. Mm -hmm. How's that working out for you? Are, are are you pleased with that? Is it has it been limiting? Is it is it freeing? How has that been? No, it's it's a big part of who we are. Um, I, th I think having two players like that that can do it all um, is really really important. I don't think we've seen the best of either one of them. Uh, at this point, uh, we talked all along that um, Eva is, is coming off of a, a seven-week break during the summer, mm -hmm. and I think that she's getting better all the time. I mean, this past weekend was her best weekend, okay. no doubt about it. Last night was her best practice, so I think that you know she's on course to getting back to uh, you know being being close to 100 percent. 
Uh, Chloe has been been really consistent for a freshman. Um, the opportunity for them to, to make plays in, in every facet of the game is important. I want more from them from a serving standpoint. I think they can bring more, be more aggressive, move the ball around a little bit more from a serving standpoint. Um, but everything else they're doing, you know, I, I think you'll see them get better and better with their backcourt attacking. Um, they look much better in practice than, than what I've seen us do in matches because there's so many other factors that come into play. It's just, you know, is the passing where it needs to be? Is the setting as consistent as it is in practice? And, and that's just going to take time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I go back and I tell even our hitters this. I said, our two setters that we're playing right now most of the time are new to our program. They got here in late June. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it's a process that you have to work through to get to where they're getting the ball where you, they think that you want it and vice versa. And that you don't make the same set, even though they're both left side hitters and they both hit a lot of the similar sets. It's not an identical ball right. for both of them. So it's not as simple as it sounds. But to answer your question, um, both of the, the outside hitters that we're playing right now are doing a great job. And I think um, we'll, we'll continue to do so and get better. I think the best is yet to come, obviously, with both of them this season. We're going to step aside real quick, hear from our sponsor, and then uh, be back to talk about the weekend ahead here on Dig City. Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Now back to the show. All right, Coach, number two, Nebraska coming in Friday night, 7 o'clock, live on the Big Ten Network. Uh, big match, uh, expecting a huge crowd. They better be loud because this is – if you're not coming and uh, losing your voice at this match, what are you even doing in Holloway Gym, right? Uh, the, the Cornhuskers are 11-0, like you said, uh, maybe the best team in the country. I, I think one of the reasons Wisconsin stays ahead of them in the polls is because Wisconsin started ahead of them in the polls. That, that a lot of times is how that works. Um, but the, the Cornhuskers, John Cook, uh, they're the real deal this year. Well, and on that topic, Wisconsin is also very, very good. Yes, not, not taking any shots there. Uh, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Stanford, <laughs> um, Louisville, those four to me have kind of separated themselves from everybody else at this point in time. Um, but uh, Nebraska's loaded. Um, now, the, the thing that is unique about them is they're, they're, they're very young. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're not quite as young as we are uh, as far as the players that are, are, are getting on the floor. But they have three freshmen that are contributing in a big way. And one's a setter that uh, was the number one ranked setter in, in the class. And one is the left side hitter who uh, in, in several um, valuations was the number one outside hitter in the class. And one's a middle that I don't think was number one but was maybe number two and uh, jumps out of the gym and has, has really impressed people so far and, and so there and then they got a, a, the backcourt player they got four that they're starting a defensive specialist that was the number one ranked backcourt player uh, in the class so their freshmen are our top drawer and uh, they have some veteran players that really play hard and I mentioned earlier uh, a few weeks ago how we were watching them to demonstrate to our players how to play defense what blocking looked like you know how I thought we could improve by watching uh, them and we did. I mean, it, it's something that I, I thought really was effective with our players. They looked at some of the things that were going on, especially from a blocking standpoint, and we got better. It was uh, it was immediate impact that we got better, and uh, so you know we will continue to look at teams that are doing things extremely well, whether they're pro teams or international teams or college teams, to find whatever tool we can 
to help our athletes um, get some kind of an advantage uh, on their improvement. I like that. Uh, that's you always, you know, you scout other opponents to see what they're doing to be able to pick out things that they're doing well and use it as a teaching. That's has is that something you've done a lot in the past, or is that kind of a new thing? You're well, I mean. We watch a lot of tape, sure, um, and our coaches do. But when you see something that I saw on how well they were playing defense, and I, I do think they're the best defensive team in the country, Nebraska is, and which is odd for a young team to be that effective. Their middles are a freshman and a sophomore. Mm -hmm. uh, now the sophomore is a really, really good middle blocker. The freshman is, is a great athlete that gets so far over the net that she makes things difficult. But yet, um, you know, that's just a system, and, and they, they, they've always, John Cook has always been great at teaching blocking, and uh, they're doing a tremendous job with it. And then you add what might be, you know, two of the best defensive players in America in the backcourt. One's the libero, Rodriguez, and then the other is um, Choboy, who's a, a freshman that originally was to go to Minnesota, and then when they made a coaching change, she opted out and went uh, to Nebraska. But really, really, really good ball control people, and. Um, Again, it's you know it's the the challenge. There's a lot of challenges when you go when you get ready to play Nebraska. One of them is how do you score points? Mm -hmm. I mean, what is what are the ways that you can put balls on the floor or you can get kills? And um, so it, it, it's it's a challenge when you watch them play because they do they do so many things well from a defensive standpoint. Mentioned that they're eleven and zero. They've dropped just three sets on the season. Now uh, also worth. Mentioning, I think, that they've played nine home matches in those 11, um, including the one that everybody saw, you know, in, in Memorial Stadium. Right. But uh, I didn't see it. I saw a lot of uh, I saw a lot of people talking about clips. It. I saw a lot of clips of it. Yeah. They've got uh, wins at Stanford and at Kansas State. Those are their, their two only road tests mm -hmm. so far this year. So mm -hmm. um, that's that's Friday at seven. You get Saturday off. Mm -hmm. Once again, before uh, before Northwestern comes in, the Illini will be here for football. That's that true. I day, imagine right? the, the Boilermakers will be at Ross I, Aid. For, I think for that, that our team will be introduced on that day. Okay. So, um, yeah, they'll be there, and they're excited about it. And we have a, have a big day scheduled for them as well in between the two matches. That's excellent. Then uh, Northwestern, like I said, coming to town uh, Sunday afternoon. The Wildcats, zero two in Big Ten play, six and six overall. Uh, I know. Historically, that's a program that you better not look past because <laughs> they uh, they're just they're scrappy. They're they're going to be tough and they're going to be in yeah. just about every match. Well, Shane Davis, the head coach at Northwestern, did a great job of piecing his team together. He went to the uh, portal, the transfer wire, whatever you want to want to call it, and uh, really found some good players to fill some some holes. They had some good players returning, a, a terrific setter, a great middle. Uh, had a good opposite and um, you know a, a good ball control player right out of Muncie, Indiana that uh, they had returning but then uh, they picked up a, a 6-5 outside hitter out of Santa Clara that's really really good I mean she's borderline all Big Ten type of a player Maddie Chin who our fans saw for four years um, is also playing on the left side for them and they got another middle I think they that was a, a transfer so um, Shane did a good job of, of putting that together, and I don't care what their record is. I, I know they've got good talent, and I know how well they play when they play Purdue. So it will be a, a, a real tough match, and, and uh, you know we don't we're not putting much into that right now yet. You know we, our focus is always on our next match, which mm -hmm. is Nebraska, but we also know we got a day in between, and we'll we'll be able to prepare and get ready, and uh, and hopefully have a, a great match against Northwestern. 
The Boilermakers, one of just four Big Ten teams to start 2-0 in Big Ten play. Um, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Penn State, the other the other who are perfect through weekend one, and uh, obviously we'll, we'll hope to get Your that Your schedule going. has a lot to do with that. It does. Okay. <laughs> and again, we were on the road, and, and, and there's nothing easy about you know going out and playing anybody on the road in our league, but um, certainly uh, we weren't playing uh, teams at the top half that are going to compete for a, a championship in our conference. But uh, for us, it was fine. I, mean, mm -hmm. I was, I was elated to come back 2-0. <laughs> And uh, now we get back to work against uh, you know a really really good Nebraska team, and I know our crowd will be there, and I I, I think it's it'll be an educational opportunity to see two really good volleyball teams play, and it's not a match that we can't win. Mm -hmm. I mean we've we've won matches that looked harder than this one to win, um, but it, it will be a, a real challenge, and again we'll. We'll go out there and, and be as well prepared as possible, and our kids will play. I know really, really hard. The one thing our people do is compete, and if you've watched this team play, you know that yep. they, they compete. So they will show up and they will battle, and um, we'll do everything we can to to get a win here on the home boards. They're not going to shy away from a fight, that's for sure. That's uh, there's always fight in this team, no matter no matter what the score on the board is. Yeah, well. That's the way it should be. That is. That is. One last thing before we uh, sure. before we get out of here. Uh, the program celebrated its thousandth win mm -hmm. over the weekend, uh, and I know you were asked about this at the press conference earlier this week. Um, as as uh, you are wont to do, you you deferred a lot of that to Carol Dewey, the Hall, the Hall of Fame coach who founded the program. Yeah. Um, just uh, from your standpoint, uh, what's that mean to reach that milestone? I really don't know to be honest with you, because I just don't know how many Division One teams have won a 1,000 yeah. matches. I, I'm sure that most of them have not, but a lot of that does fall back on those early teams and that Carol Dewey built this program quickly and uh, very effectively. Mm -hmm. And uh, her teams were winning a ton of matches. Now, I know that the last 20 years that when our staff has been here, that you know we've, we've done pretty well. And so we're excited about that. But um, I just think it, it, it means more to those players that were here uh, than anything else. That they're the ones that put the work in and, and uh, made things happen. And so I, I'm thankful for that and appreciative of all the players, whether they were from 1972 or from 2022. It really doesn't matter. Um, but you know, you do the math on that, you can probably figure out in, in about 50 years what a thousand wins comes down to. And I think it's about is that 20 wins a it's Something about like 20, that. About 20, 20 wins a year. year. Yeah. So, and that's never easy. No. Um, but anyway, as I point out, it, it to me it just fuels a fire for this for the future. You know that success breeds success, and um, winning helps. But I, I just I just know Carol Dewey um, is the reason that this program is as good as it is. And uh, fortunately, our university supports our volleyball program at an elite level. And, and that's another reason why we had that success. If, if they were not doing that, it would be much harder mm -hmm. than what it is. So there's a lot of things that help this program be successful. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the players. Players play, and, and they, they win or, or lose the matches. Well, uh, we're looking forward to seeing those players play this weekend uh, twice in the home boards. Coach, good luck. Okay, thanks, Corey.